This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Not every guest takes me up on the opportunity, but I like to do a segment called The Mic Swap, where I make my guest into the host, and then I become the guest. I let them take the conversation wherever they want to take it, ask me whatever they want, and uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. This is Mic Swap. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this unique episode of Terrible with your new host, Marco Ambrosio, coming live from Summit after being a Brooklyn uh, a Park Slope uh, refugee, I guess. I shouldn't say the word refugee, though. That's, 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 that's the wrong word. Um, but let's, let's, let's meet our guest today. It is Jeff Gibbard. Jeff, I'm excited to talk to you, but first, say hello to everybody and share where are you right now. Uh, I am in Philadelphia right now, and uh, I'm enjoying a beautiful sunny day because, as everyone knows, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Danny DeVito would love that. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was looking through my my, my due diligence and, and and learning about you know I just you know I love I love this superhero institute. Well, I got to start with the first thing. Who is your favorite superhero? Ah, uh, if I had a dollar for every time, I, I'm a Spider-Man guy. I um, I'm all about the with great power there must also come great responsibility. I'm about the fact that he's not trying to beat his enemies; he's trying to convince them to do the right thing. I'm about the fact that he's willing to self-sacrifice more so than almost any other character, even if it comes back to harm him. He's always about doing the right thing, and that's what I aspire to be in life. So I look at at Spider-Man and Peter Parker as uh, as something to aspire to be. Who's your favorite actor that's played Spider-Man? Oh, God, this is going to divide the fandom, huh? Um, if I had to pick any, I'm going to go with like a very unconventional answer here. And I'm going to go with the voice actor for the Spider-Man uh, PS4 game. Uh, oh. I forget his name, but uh, I just thought that the, the, the PlayStation uh, Spider-Man game was just phenomenal. Mm, chef's kiss. Now, mm -hmm. I, now, now I'll go with the more traditional answers, which is that I think, um, I think Tom Holland is the best choice for a Spider-Man Peter Parker because of his age, because of his enthusiasm. That kid wanted to play Spider-Man for like his entire life, did parkour and gymnastics so that he could like, he's, I don't blame him for the writing and some of the issues that these movies have had. Uh, even though I found them very entertaining, I don't think they're the best Spider-Man movies. I think Andrew Garfield uh, was awesome. I enjoyed those movies because I just enjoy anything Spider-Man, but he was way too uh, cocky and cool to actually be an effective Peter Parker because he's supposed to be a nerd. And I think when it comes down to it, Tobey Maguire, especially in Spider-Man 2, might have been the best blend of both Spider-Man and Peter Parker. All right. That's that, that's that's deeper than I thought you were getting into it, but I respect oh, that. I, got like I respect that. More minutes of, I have like 50 more minutes of material here. Well, you're going to laugh because I, I want, I'm going to ask the question again, but with a different lens. I'm going to say, who's your favorite non-fictional superhero? My favorite non-fictional superhero. Um, that's an interesting question. Cause I kind of have like two answers about it. Um, you know, the first answer would be that I don't actually believe there are any real superheroes, even though like my, my tagline is I'm a superhero and everything. I think all we are, are people trying to do the best that we can in life. And I think we have people who, uh, you know, are, have a, have a better batting average, I guess I would say of doing the right thing versus the wrong thing. But I think if we've seen anything out of me too, and the reckoning of social justice, that's happening and, uh, everybody's got something problematic that they didn't ask for, but that just was like placed on them in their life. And as a result, they are not just super heroic and idealized a la Superman uh, in this world. So I would say that 
on a on a let's be like more generous with it and say all superheroes are actually flawed and therefore there are real superheroes in life. Um, when you were on my podcast, I mentioned Stacey Abrams. I would look at someone like her and say like pretty heroic, a lot of things that she's done there. Um, there, are, there are probably a number of politicians we could put out there that I would say like pretty heroic work. I think people who bring amazing ideas into the world, even, even if you don't fully wholesale agree with them, I would say are super heroic. Like I personally, I'm a fan of some of the theories and ideas of Karl Marx. Um, I think there's a lot of philosophers out there that really opened up the discourse and make you think differently about life from uh, Nietzsche to, you know, Plato and Socrates and uh, Wittgenstein and, and all the different philosophers, I think give you a different perspective on things that help to open your eyes. I think people who write, um, you know, books that help people to better understand other human beings, like, um, you know, a lot of the work of even Max Kendi. Um, I read Cast recently. I thought that was really awesome. I read a book on transgender history recently. I think a lot of the people that are featured in books um, about movements for equality that did things that maybe came at great personal cost to them but did it on behalf of larger groups of people, those are heroes and we often don't know who they are or they're not taught as, you know, heroes. We only hear like the, the big names, right? Like you got, yeah. you know, Malcolm and Martin, but there yeah. are so many others who have done amazing things on behalf of others. And I think those are people that we should celebrate as heroes, even if they have flaws. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that. I, um, there's so many different directions we can go from that conference, from, from that answer. I mean, I just yeah. literally got done interviewing uh, someone to be a, a senior salesperson in the company. And uh, he, he's, he's a, basically a philosopher. And I asked everybody who, here's a little note to anybody who's ever going to interview with me. I always ask, what is your superpower? Because I believe everybody has something that they over-index on. Yes. And, and his, his answer was, his superpower is that he's actually a philosopher and he was talking through different ways of thinking. And that's actually how it's really helped him with his sales career. That's a topic we can get into. That is absolutely brilliant. I love the fact that you asked that question. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, I ask people that all of the time. Uh, so yeah, way to go. Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, the, you know, I, I, uh, I think of, it's just powerful. Like, the, like I don't want to say the little hero, but it's the unsung hero. If you think about, uh, there's different forms of love. And uh, the highest form of love is agape. And agape symbolizes, you know, the, the, the love between God and man or God and woman, basically. And it's this whole concept of self-sacrificial love. And when I hear you speak, it's really this, this form of agape. And anyone, anyone can, uh, can have and share and bestow uh, or exhibit that level of self-sacrificial love, but it's it's become rarer and rarer in 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 a modern social media look at me, look at me kind of world. Um, I'm wondering, like, it's interesting. Let's flip it around. Let's talk about not a person, let's talk about a brand. What is a brand that you really respect right now, or that you think is is getting it quote unquote right? It's going to be a cliche example because I think partly there's so few brands that actually, truly, legitimately are doing it for the right reasons. But I think Patagonia is one of the only ones that you can really point to, at least that I know of, because mostly when I think about like woke brands or brands that are like doing the right thing, I think it ultimately comes back to the fact that it benefits their bottom line. And I bemoan this problem all the time because I think you should do the right thing because it's the right thing. And then 
if that turns out to make or lose you money, like who cares, whatever, do the right thing. Um, but it's just, it doesn't function that way here uh, all that often. I think there are individual actors that try to do that, but by and large as a system, there's not a real incentive to do the right thing simply because it's the right thing. Like, you know, I, I, I just can't help but think of like that Kendall Jenner, Pepsi, Black Lives Matter commercial and think like example A, like train wreck, terrible. Um, yeah. So I, I guess um, the brands that probably are, are most like real and like living, living the truth are probably either nonprofits or they're really small companies that are, um, you know, that are giving back in a really authentic way. I'll give you a really good example. So um, not to be self-serving about it, but the way that I'm trying to set up the Superhero Institute, so it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm still trying to get it to its final form. It's currently like base level Goku and hasn't yet gone Super Saiyan. But um, the way I want to set it up is that the guest instructors that I bring into the Superhero Institute by way of their contribution basically own a portion of the Superhero Institute. So let's say there's 10 uh, lessons in the Superhero Institute and you can come and be a certified Superhero Institute coach. And let's say that you come and you add one new lesson. Now there's 11 lessons. You own one 11th of the company now. And I believe that because I believe that uh, I'm not a big fan of like labor exploitation in general and the idea that like if you did something, I get to reap the benefit of that. So I think that's me walking the walk, right? Like part of the reason I became a solopreneur is because I didn't want to exploit anybody else's labor. So like that's, and I know how to do that. Like I know how to build a company where I can make like a lot of money by you know, subcontracting people for less and then billing them out for more. Um, it's just not something that I agree with. So I'm trying to like walk the walk. And I, I guess I think that it's really difficult when you're a large company to do that. I think I have the luxury of doing it because I'm just one dude that gets to make these kind of decisions. Um, but I think by and large, once you get up to a point where you have a few, um, you have a few employees. We kind of talked about this before we jumped on one of our things, but it's like when you get married and have kids, it becomes a lot more difficult to just like take off and go for a vacation. I think once you have employees, it becomes a lot more difficult to just say like, screw it. We're just going to like dump a bunch of money into a thing. Cause we think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. No, my, so my father has, uh, is, is a serial entrepreneur for lack of better words, but, uh, he has a medical practice. And one of the things he taught us pretty early on, my brother and I, my other brother and sister is when you are the owner, you get paid last. The first thing you need to do. And the number one priority is hitting payroll. Yeah, because you're because you're 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 helping someone else with their livelihood, uh, and 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 we come from a world of like a job is something that gives people dignity. Like you know, people want people want to have a job. It gives them a, a better sense of self. Um, and so I remember he shared when I was like in high school. He's like, okay, here's like here's the costs, here's the profit. Write out like what you think like. If this is the problem. Like, who gets paid? Like, what? I put the I put the owner first. Like, nope. Where's the bottom? Last person. You gotta pay this. You gotta pay this. You gotta pay this. At the top, hey, you want it? Like, you want to take care of your people. So it's it's uh, it's interesting. I've always seen how my dad literally uh, just a lot of people. You know, he, somebody needs a job. Come work. Come work. It's even if it's, even if it's transitional. Uh, you know, he really really. It's not about profits for for his his, his company. Uh, it's been around for 35 years. Um, it's really about like, how do you try to create community? Uh, there's only two ways to get fired. You steal something or you berate uh, uh, another employee. Yeah, protect, protect the culture. That's it. Uh, so it's interesting. I mean, if you, I, I, um, 
it's, it's, you know, I think there's some other interesting companies. I mean, I think there's a, a space for, it's very difficult, I think, for publicly traded companies. Um, Patagonia, great example. I wonder if, if not all, I suppose microfinance, we talked about Muhammad Yunus. I would totally put his, yeah, his company there. But there's other microfinance banks that are, that are terrible. That, that are just not, you know, they, they, they've abused the system, for lack of better words, and they're basically like, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing. On the other side, an interesting company, I don't know, I haven't checked out on them recently, but I was really inspired by them at a time, was um, Soapbox Soaps. They're super interesting, because they're these are all social, they're social business, so their whole model was, you know, they basically sell soap in the States. Uh, they take, I think it was like 5% of revenue, not profit, and then they go identify uh, entrepreneurs in low-income countries. They teach them how to make soap. They give them the startup capital, and then they connect them to the schools and the hospitals. So they build the market for them. And I was always I, I I spent some time with the founder back when I was in D.C. And I, he was so like bit like mission driven. It didn't even matter. Like, Target came or someone came. It's like nope. I'm or D.C. would come. It's like nope. Percent of revenue, not but it's like it was always like, no, this is the core of the, the company. The company's core yeah. is this model. And I always really respected that. I haven't followed up in, in a long time, but I think it's those kind of companies that are not the public trader ones that are privately held that can really be change agents for lack of better words. I think a lot of the big ones though, every once in a while, either kind of fall ass backwards into doing something awesome. Like a, a good example, I think, is like Apple and their stance on privacy. And they're shaking up the entire advertising industry as a result of what they're doing. But I say good. And this is coming from like, I ran a social media agency for seven years and then was part of a digital agency for another year and a half. Like this was like my world was like running successful Facebook ad campaigns and all these different things. And uh, But as a user, I was always very disturbed by like the encroachment into our private lives that we don't give explicit consent to. Um, so I think, you know, you look at something like that with Apple and then you, then at the same time, you have to take into account, like, where do they get their products made and how do they go about that? And is that really also very ethical? Like, yeah, maybe you're not listening in on my home pod, but, um, I don't feel too good about how my iPhone was made. So it, yeah. and at the same time, they have sustainability efforts and it's like, so you get like this kind of mix of things, but at the end of the day with a company of that size and, you know, that amount of money that's flowing through there, um, those those are strategic business decisions more so than like this is the right thing to do even if it comes with a twinge of like this is what we believe i still yeah. believe like under all that there's still like shareholders yeah i mean it's super interesting so i i have my master's in public health from uh uh hopkins from john hopkins in uh in baltimore and the there was always a debate at school Right, and one of the debates, one of the, one of the philosophical like cores of, of public health is harm reduction. Yep. Uh, and uh, I, I remember I would start these conversations, and because there was a uh, a, a very uh, renowned uh, public health person and, and doctor, and he went to go work for uh, I think it was PepsiCo or Coca Cola, one of the two. I don't remember anymore. Um, and it was like, what are you doing? Like, like, you know, this is ridiculous. Like that's the, that, like they're responsible for all this diabetes and hypertension, yeah, yeah. And he instituted so much change because what he did was he basically reduced the salt content of the product line. And he started, started having them invest in non-sugar service. 
And I, it's like, it's, it, there's a nuance because with economies of scale, some of these massive players, you can get tremendous positive in, in outcomes without demonizing or canceling uh, that, that, that company, for lack of a better word. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Have you, read, um, have you read Winner Take All by um, Anand uh, Giravadanas? No, I've not. I'm writing it down. Uh, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it because it's it's sort of the flip side of that, which is like on the one hand, it's like great you can make change from the inside, like it's hard to make change from a system that you're not a part of, but the the other side of it, which is kind of what this book about book is about and, uh, to a certain extent, is that it's really easy to get swallowed up by the very system that you're trying to change. It's that quote: um, "It's hard to get a man to see." The error of his actions if his salary depends upon it, or it's, it's a quote. Oh, that's a great quote. I don't know that one. That's I'm a not great exactly, quote. It's not exactly a quote, but it's from. Um, but Jeff, you just made up a new quote. Then it works. I love it. It's a paraphrase. I can't take credit for it, but you get my point. Is that like, um, it's very, very. If you are beholden to, you know, a, a sponsor of sorts, like they fund your lifestyle, it becomes really difficult to say, like, hey, here's all of the ways that you're screwing up and everything. So I, I anyway, I just think you would get a, a kick out of the book. It's a really interesting book. And he's yeah. awesome, worth following. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's the book recommendations and, and, uh, and quotes are, are just really good content that's terrible. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay, if you enjoy Shareable and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show, Shareable. Two, you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.